Yo, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. A Saturday episode. Let's get it. Let's do it. We back in full effect. Um, and let's get into it. I hope everybody is doing fine. I'm doing well. I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kid of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we got a lot to get into today. March Madness. I've been watching the games and so forth. March Madness. Like I told you guys, uh, this episode will probably be out Saturday morning. So you guys would obviously know all of the results that uh that have transpired on Friday, you know, throughout Friday. So yeah. So I, I can't wait for that. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about college basketball in a in a in, in like in a total net like in a whole scope of things. I'm gonna talk about college basketball and um and as far as like the tournament and what has and what co- the sport of college basketball has become. Uh, free agency news, obviously NFL NFL free agency has been buzzing, 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 and I just this is so fascinating to me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but it's been so this NFL free agency period has been so interesting to me and I have enjoyed every single bit of it as you guys can tell in the previous episode as you guys can tell in the previous episode I have enjoyed a lot of it I've enjoyed a lot of it and I feel like around this time March April around this time the springtime this is some of the best times in sports I mean, I get March Madness with college basketball. I get NFL free agency, NFL draft, all that type of content. That's and it's been phenomenal this year. I get the NBA. Usually, the playoffs start in April on a normal year, but the NBA playoffs they don't start until like later into the spring going into the playoffs but this is still some really good basketball to watch as the season winds down uh and then baseball baseball's opening day is very soon so this is a very good time in sports but speaking of good times speaking of new places Speaking of NFL free agency and the quarterback market, Carson Wentz, formerly with the Eagles, is now officially a quarterback, a player of the Indianapolis Colts. And he had his little press con- he had his little introduction press conference today, or I should say yesterday. Um on Thursday afternoon, I think Thursday afternoon, he had his introductory press conference, and I think uh, with, with and let me tell you this: this is the perfect opportunity for Carson Wentz to revamp his career. Perfect opportunity. If Carson Wentz cannot cash in on this opportunity, if he cannot make the most out of this opportunity then Carson Wentz's career is definitely in jeopardy. It's definitely in jeopardy. Definitely. 
because the Indianapolis Colts, I, I have praised them. You can go back and listen to some of my episodes, you know, throughout the regular season. I have praised the Indianapolis Colts and Chris Ballard and Frank Wright and what and what they have done with the culture of the Indianapolis Colts and the and, and the actual roster. This is one of the more this is one of the better put together top to bottom rosters. There's not a lot of weaknesses, if any, really. And for Carson Wentz's sake, I think he's going to succeed. I think Carson Wentz is going to succeed. He now has Frank Wright by his side. If you guys did not know, in 2017, when Carson Wentz had that breakout MVP caliber season, Frank Wright was the Eagles offensive coordinator. He is now the Indianapolis head coach. And I like Carson Wentz a lot. You guys know that I like his talent. He's very, very talented. A lot of throws that Carson Wentz can make, not a lot of guys are capable of doing such things. So that's what really separates Carson Wentz. But also, he makes the bonehead throws. He makes the bonehead plays. He holds on to the ball too long at times and so forth. But Carson Wentz has left Philadelphia got traded from Philadelphia, and has basically upgraded in every aspect you can think of. Every aspect you can possibly think of, the transition from Philadelphia to Indianapolis should be smooth, and it's it's a clear upgrade. It is a clear indication of an upgrade. Clear. Clearest day, Carson Wentz, this situation in Indianapolis must work. It must work for the sake of his career. Let's go down the line. He has an upgraded offensive line. Philadelphia's offensive line right now is aging. It's injury prone and very expensive. Indianapolis is the complete opposite. Indianapolis, young offensive line, if not the best offensive line in football, upgrading that aspect. Defensively, it's night and day, really. Also, Philadelphia, they got some aging defensive players that are very expensive. On the flip side with Indianapolis, they have some really young players, some really young, nice defensive players that they have drafted. I didn't even mention DeForest Buckner, who they're paying big bucks, but he is really good. He's one of the best defensive tackles in football. You have Darius Leonard. You got you got guys in the you have ballers in the secondary. So offensive line and defense is a upgrade. And the offensive line upgrade is a massive upgrade. I look at the culture. The culture of the Philadelphia Eagles at this moment is 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 a is it's it's fighting for who has the most control it's a power struggle in Philadelphia it's a how between Harry Roseman Jeffrey Laurie it's a power struggle in Philadelphia the culture there is toxic Nick Sirianni is a puppet Jalen Hurts doesn't know what they don't know who their franchise guy is they don't know if they're 100% committed to Jalen Hurts. 
So the, the, the culture in Philadelphia and the culture in Indianapolis is an upgrade for Carson Wentz. The culture in Indianapolis is better. So that's that's another upgrade. Weapons, that's another upgrade that Indianapolis has over Philadelphia. Philadelphia, over the last couple years, over the last several years, have been incapable of drafting receivers. They just have been incapable of drafting receivers. Very similar to Belichick in New England. They haven't been able to draft skilled position guys. Philadelphia, over the, la- over the last couple drafts, over the last few drafts, have not drafted well at those particular skills positions. Guess what? Indianapolis has. Indianapolis weapons, it's not even close, probably. I mean, just, just judging it, it's not even close. And then I look at the play calling and the coaching. At this moment, Indianapolis with Frank Wright and the play calling, it's better in Indianapolis than it is in Philadelphia. Carson Wentz, this must work. This must work. Those are five important upgrades that Carson Wentz now has in Indianapolis. Five major upgrades. This team is built to win right now. This Indianapolis Colts team won 11 games with Phillip Rivers. I think myself and a lot of people would agree that Carson Wentz athletically, Carson Wentz mobility, that's that's way better. It's, it's way better, way better. Heads and shoulders over Phillip Rivers. Athletically, he can do more. And Phillip Rivers won 11 games with this roster. And then also, forgot to mention, I talked about the culture a little bit. This can probably feed into culture. But the Philadelphia fans, the Philadelphia media, just the pressure of playing in Philadelphia is a lot. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot. And in, in any any Philadelphia athlete, any athlete that's played for a professional Philadelphia team can, can, can attest to that. It's just different, man. It's just different. Carson Wentz, you're now in, you're now in Indianapolis. Carson Wentz, is a, he's, a, he's not a big city guy. He's a small town guy, faith-based type of guy. So all around, it's upgrades around Carson Wentz. If he cannot, if he can't revamp and resurrect his career, his career will be over probably. It will probably be in jeopardy and in trouble if he cannot revamp his career with this roster. Because if he if he can't do that with this roster, you know who everybody's going to point at? Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. People are not going to be pointing the finger at the offensive line. People are not going to be pointing the finger at at the defense, no. Because this team was winning games. They were winning games before Carson Wentz got there. If Carson Wentz can't get it done, his career is in jeopardy. Simple as that. Oh, uh, so yeah. So March Madness. I'm actually watching a couple games right now <laughs> as I do my podcast. Um, March Madness has officially started. And I wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, I want to. So first, I wanted to talk about the landscape of college basketball. 
the landscape of college basketball. And it's been, I'm not going to lie to you guys, it's been really hard for me to follow it, follow college basketball this year due to COVID and the way how it started, because it started really controversial. Uh, A lot of people, a lot of coaches, a lot of media members around the sport of college basketball vehemently disagree with how what disagreed um with how the NCAA went you know went about the approach as far as the covid circumstances and so forth um once we got it seems like it, it seemed like once teams got into more like conference play uh it, it seemed like the the covid numbers went down i would i i didn't i didn't see any staggering COVID results after, you know, you know, after these big time games, they like the season went pretty well. I'm, I know the players and the coaches had to do a lot. I know the players and the coaches had to sacrifice a lot. So that, you know, big ups to them, big ups to the players and coaches sacrificing a lot. And I actually, after the tournament, I actually want to get some players um, and probably some coaches on the pod to talk about this whole experience throughout the season with COVID and, you know, making the tournament and, you know, what does that look like? And, you know, it's based in the tournament is being held in Indianapolis. So it's like a, it's like a bubble. It's kind of like a bubble setting. So I'm, I would, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a, I'm a, um, get a couple players, probably a, probably a coach, uh, to come on the pod and talk about it and talk about that experience. But, as I was saying back to my granular point, it was hard to follow. It was it was kind of hard to follow college basketball this year. It was, it was. I now I did follow it a little bit more. Like I said, going into conference play, I followed it. I followed it a little bit more. Conference championship week that was very also that was also very entertaining, very exciting. Had some big time finishes, some big time games, and now we're here in March Madness. Uh, the NCAA tournament, and I'm excited. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I'm excited, but I always, I feel like I always kind of get excited for this tournament. And I, I, I first, I want to first, I wonder what the ratings are gonna look like after the first two days. I, I, I'm, a, I'm gonna look into that, but and I know like the average fan doesn't care about it, but I, I do want to see the ratings be uh because every other sport. Across any other major sport, base whether it be baseball from last year, NBA from the bubble, NBA this year, or even the NFL, ratings have been down. I think the W the WNBA did experience some a boost in ratings, but every other sport ratings have been down. They've been they've been down. Um, some has been more some 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 ratings have been more drastic. It's you know it's been declining and decreasing. It, the, the 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 decline has been drastic than others. Like the NFL, I don't think their I don't think their decrease was too bad. Um, not as bad as hockey was last year per se. So you know it's it's a difference in different sports. But college basketball, to me, just to me. And I think a lot of people will echo this these sentiments and would agree upon this statement, but it has turned it's turned really into a three-week sport. And if the three weeks that I'm referring to is the tournament, the NCAA tournament, that's what I feel like college basketball has resorted itself to. 
And it's not even the player's fault. It's not. It's definitely not the player's fault at all. Definitely not the player's fault. It's not necessarily the coach's fault, but it's more so on the NCAA. Because college basketball doesn't have that same juice that it once had. It didn't have that same juice that it once had. In the regular season, uh, it just ain't meaningful. It's just not as meaningful as it once was. And everybody focused, everybody focused turns around to around this time. Everybody gains focus around March Madness. Now, there's still some rapid college basketball fans who's going to go to the games, who's going to support their team or their alma mater and so forth, and they're going to watch every Saturday. And usually college basketball ramps up after Christmas because that's where you start to see a little bit more conference play. But really now, college basketball has resorted into a three-week sport. It's a three. It's a three-week spectacle, um, and it's very exciting, very thrilling. We've already had some upsets today. Already have had some upsets today, and I love. I always love watching the first, like the first two, the first couple of days. I like. I like watching all of the rounds, but the first couple of days is always entertaining because you can you can guarantee there's going to be an upset in there, and then people, most a lot of people brackets get busted, but. I'm always excited to watch the first two days, and I've been deadlock focused on March Madness today, um, and probably going to watch a little bit tomorrow. But I think it 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 really has resorted into a three week sport, and the NBA. I feel like sometimes the NBA sh- could do better with their support of the NCAA. But I on but we always we all know that the NCAA has its ways and its ways are very flawed. I saw this was trending all over social media and this is a separate point. This is kind of a separate point from March Madness and college basketball in the grand scope of things, but I you know this is I I, I feel like I got to talk about this cuz it was trending on social media and so I think a girls basketball player, a girl a college girls basketball player she she did like a comparison of the of the women's basketball players um weight room in comparison to the men's basketball players weight room and it's night and day <laughs> it, it's 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 literally night and day like uh, it, like the videos are surfacing everywhere you can literally go find it um but it it it's literally surfacing everywhere and it's it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad, and it, and it's it's a bad look on the NCAA. But once again, it's the NCAA. They have looked bad for years. Like they have looked bad for years and upon years and upon years. So at this point, it's just it's I guess it's just become normal to them. It's their norm. It's their normal of just looking bad in situations. <laughs> so, but it's to- that, that, that's totally wrong. That uh. In in the weight room that the women's basketball players have, it's just outrageous. It, it's outrageous. It, it's not even a. It's it's a. It's not even a weight room, really. It's a. It's more of a. It was more of a a five pound weight, and that was it. Uh, in a in a like a like a yoga mat, a yoga mat in a five in a five or ten pound weight. It looked like, and then you know you look at the men's call. You look at the men's section, the men's weight room, and it's like damn. 
it's it's like a whole damn facility. So so it's night and day. And that's that that looks really bad on 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 the NCAA's hand on, on their part on their side. And the NCAA, they're so good with this lip service. They get they give so much lip ser- service. They have all of this bark, but no bite. Um, they talk, they talk, they talk, they put, they try to, they try to manifest certain things with just talking and spreading them out. But you gotta with with the NCAA, you gotta demand action. Okay. You gotta demand action. You just have to. You have to, you can't get, because they're going to give you lip service all day long because that's what the NCAA does. It gives you nothing but lip service. But they, as far as putting actions, putting their foot down and, and, and actually doing something, they very, they, it's very seldom when they do so. And it goes back to my point. It it goes back to my point when I brought DSR Devontae Smith Rivera back on the podcast on the podcast, former Georgetown Hoyer player, and we were talking about college basketball and the treatment of their players and how players should be compensated for representing these institutions, and the and how and and now it, it seems like that is going into progress a little bit with athletes getting paid. But who had to push the envelope for that? It took it took the actual government. It took it took state officials from California to actually p- push the envelope and force the NCAA to actually do something and let's and, and you know put the groundwork, start the groundwork on paying players, compensating players. So this goes back to my point about the women, the you know the women's and men's comparison with the weight room that the young lady did. Uh, I think she played for Oregon. I forgot her name, but I I, I did wanted to br- I did wanted to bring I did wanted to bring it up because I felt that was important, and it was buzzing everywhere. So the NCAA and you should not be surprised. I don't know why people are surprised. Oh my God, the NCAA! Like no, the NCAA has been corrupt and crooked for a very long time. <laughs> um, and they have and like I said, this is a bad look on the NCAA, but they have no problem looking bad. They've been looking bad for years now. They've been looking bad for years. So the NCAA, the NCAA looking bad is not it's nothing new to them. And so that's why they're not really phased by it. Even when the you know, everybody on social media is pointing it out like the the, the clear disparity. Nope. NCAA, nope. They're not phased by it. They're not phased by it because they're used to looking bad. They're used to it. It is their normal look. The NCAA looks bad. The NCAA looks bad when they suspend players because they, you know, they they borrow funds from somebody because they needed. <laughs> they, 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 yeah, yeah, that's how bad it gets with the NCAA. So let me calm down. <laughs> let me calm down because some of you guys are probably like, whoa, whoa what is, what is this guy going? Whoa, 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 where is he going? Hold up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But I'm just saying, I, I'm just trying to convey the point. Where if you're if you're a if you're not a normal or regular listener, and you just you just ran across that topic on social media, just know the NCAA in this situation it's nothing new. They love controversy, and they love and for some reason they always look bad. They they for most times or not they look bad. They look bad, but. 
let's go back to the, the tournament. Let's go back to the actual tournament. Um, but I had I had to go on that little mini rant. Sorry, but I had to. Let's get back to the tournament. Okay. So huh. oh, we're worried. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're worried. Screen man, please. Thank you. I gotta put my let's see the brackets. Um so a two seed already lost. Ohio State, a two seed already lost. And as you guys know, I told you guys on the previous episode. They got a couple friends that play college basketball. They are in the tournament. So obviously I'm gonna root for them. I'm gonna root for their teams. I hope they go, I hope they get as far um, you know, as they would like, obviously. So I'm gonna root for them, obviously. Um, Georgetown, you guys know I bought a Georgetown alum, uh, Devontae Smith Favero on here. So, and Georgetown had a magical Big East tournament run that they, you know, they went on to win the Big East tournament. So they're and also they're a 12 seed going up against a five seed. Those 12 versus five seeds are always interesting matchups. They're always interesting games. Um, I forgot the stat. Damn. Screen man. Come on. Damn. Screen man's not on, he's not on his job today, guys. Sorry. Usually, you <laughs> usually we have the stats. <laughs> but um Yes, the 12 versus 5 seed is always a matchup that's very interesting and typically has a has an upset. It, it typically ends up in, in an upset. So Georgetown is a five is a 12 seed going up against uh five seed Colorado. Um I'm, I'm gonna take Georgetown. I think I'm gonna take Georgetown. Um they're hot. Pat Ewing, Patrick Ewing is a very young coach, but I, I, you know, I got a lot of faith in Georgetown. Plus, they're hot. Like I said, they're hot. In in, in this in this tournament, it's all about when you get hot. And when a certain team gets hot, they don't look back. They they really don't look back. But you know, hopefully George, Georgetown wins. I and I usually don't do that a lot on this on this podcast. But hopefully Georgetown wins. Um, and Gonzaga. I, and, and, and I'm gonna be honest. And this may seem like typical or cliche, but Gonzaga, they're the best team in the in the country. And I I feel like there's been this false narrative made about Gonzaga. Like, oh, Gonzaga, they always they don't win in the tournament. And that's that's kind of not true. I mean, they haven't won the national championship, but Gonzaga has been very consistent. They've been one of the more consistent teams in the tournament over the last half decade. Over the last five years, Don Zaga has made it to Sweet 16. They made it to a couple Final Fours, and they played a national championship game and lost by one possession. So the overarching narrative about how Don Zaga always chokes in the, you know, in, in the tournament, it's not quite true. Uh, it, it has some weight. It holds some weight to it, but it's not quite true that they always choke in the tournament because that not nah, it's just not always quite true. Um, not all of it. Not the full. It's not the full truth. But I think Gonzaga, they have an opportunity to do something that has not been done since 1976 with the Indiana Hoosiers, Hoosiers led by coach by Bobby Knight, and that is to go undefeated. Finish undefeated, perfect. Now, the last team that I can remember that was in store for that was Kentucky 
with back in, I think, 2014, 2014, I think, 2013, 2014, one of those years, they had Kentucky was loaded. They had Carl Anthony Towns. They had Devin Booker. He Devin Booker was coming off the bench. Uh, they had Willie Colley Stein. They, I think they had the Harrison twins. I think they had Tyler Eulis. They had some, they they were a really deep team, and they lost in the final four. And they went, I think they went like 34-0. Uh, but they lost in the final four. So I think that that's the last team that I can remember that was perfect and was trying to, you know, finish the season as a perfect year. And they fell short. But I think this Gonzaga team with the with the blue blood with the blue bloods, like the, you know, the Dukes, the Kansas, North Carolina lost tonight, uh, or this afternoon, I saw. Or this evening, <laughs> uh, I saw North Carolina, lo- you know, lose. So, like the 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 big time blue buds, um, like I said, Duke, North Carolina, uh, Kentucky, Duke and Kentucky didn't even make it. North Carolina lost. Kansas, I don't I don't see them going far. I don't see them relatively going far in the tournament. So those are like your your original, you know, big time blue bloods. And with those teams being gone, that opens up the door for, like, a Gonzaga who doesn't have a lot of NBA guys. Like, I know they have Jalen Suggs, who it's gonna, he, he's going to be a lottery pick. He's a really good guard. Um, but Gonzaga usually has juniors and seniors starting. They usually have older veteran players starting. And I think that, that right there, veterans, seniors, and juniors, that right there is going to be the edge, I feel like, because the t- the schools that usually have the quote-unquote NBA guys, the lottery pick guys, are not in the tournament. So you look at schools like Gonzaga, you look at schools like a Illinois, I like, I really like Illinois. They, they, I've grown to like Illinois. I thought they were a little bit fraudulent, but I've grown to like them. Um, They have a nice little guard as well, too. Um... I would say Michigan, but Michigan is miss. They're missing Isaiah Oliver, but I would say Michigan because Michigan they have. I think they start. I think they have three seniors in the starting lineup along with freshman sensation Hunter Dickinson, uh, who leads their team in scoring. But I think the 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 loss to Isaiah Oliver is going to hurt them. It's going to hurt them in the long run. So uh, that's that's the that's the thing. But I think. Teams that have veterans, um, teams that have veterans, I like. I really like the teams that have veterans this year because not not there's you know the teams like I said the teams that have usually the NBA guys are not there. Now I know Oklahoma State they have Cade Cunningham, he's gonna be he's projecting them one overall pick, but not there. Uh, not a lot of the NBA guys, not a lot of the blue bloods are in the tournament. And then I also look at a school like Alabama, a school like a team like Alabama. I really like. I like the veteran leadership that they have. Um, they did they win the SEC championship? I think they yeah I, yes they did. They won the SEC championship game. They won the SEC tournament. Um, so I feel like a team like Alabama could sneak into the Final Four. I really do. I really do. But I think Georgia. I think Gonzaga. Is the best team. I think Gonzaga is the best team in the 
whole tournament. And I think this is, I feel like this is Gonzaga's tournament to lose. I really do. This is their big time, best opportunity to win it. Hey, y'all, what do I mean? Okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale. The 47 brand. Okay, so let's move on to the Deshaun Watson situation that is brewing. And let's talk about the impact that this may have on the NFL offseason as far as, like, the quarterback carousel around the league. First, let's get into the actual situation. So I found this quite surprising when I first saw the reports uh, all over the place. Deshaun Watson and sexual assault. And I'm like, whoa, wait, huh? I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. I was stunned. But, and, and, and let me say this. Before I even go on my soliloquy, before I even go into my whole spiel, let me say this. Because it's a, it's a serious topic. And I don't think I've touched on this topic a lot. On, I, I can't remember, but it's a serious topic. And I stand firmly against sexual assault uh, towards men and women. Uh, I I don't I don't I think it's very, very resourceful and helpful when women come out or when men come out and they share their experiences that they may have been uncomfortable with sexually. So I firmly support that, and I'm firmly against sexual assault. Anything of the nature that does not concern, that does not involve consent, okay? And if Deshaun, if it turns out to be true that Deshaun Watson did commit these allegations, these allegations are true, then, okay, that's a different conversation. Uh, he, he, you know, he, whatever repercussions that may have to happen, they will happen, rightfully so, if he is guilty, but he is innocent until proven guilty. But these sexual assault allegations are odd to me. There's, it, it, let me come on. It's a bit odd. The timing is a bit, I must say, let's say, peculiar. The time is a bit peculiar and strange. The story of the NFL offseason. I mean, the big time story of the NFL offseason that podcasts and television shows across the country, radio shows that have been. The big time offseason story is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. One of out of Houston. Excuse me. Deshaun Watson wanted out of Houston. That has been the big time story. And now uh, we're getting it. We're, we're in the midst of free agency. 
and we're getting closer and closer towards the draft. The draft is the draft is surely approaching us. Mind you, Deshaun Watson has yet to be traded, uh, even though he's made it abundantly clear that he wants out of Houston. He wants nothing to do with Houston, uh, at, like that whole spiel, right? We all we all get that. You guys have been listening to me talk about that for over the last month or two months. Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson that. But now he has potentially six women with sexual assault crimes uh, uh, or civil cases against him. Because, mind you, that's another key thing to think about. It's a civil case. So it's not like anything crime-related. No, it is a civil case. And he, he has, I mean, to my knowledge right now, he has potentially six women with sexual assault civil cases against him. Three have already, you know, did their thing as far as their story and all that good stuff. And you guys know that we are very much into the Me Too movement, right? Like, that's a big-time movement. It's one of the bigger movements in our society today. The Me Too movement. Me Too. The Me Too movement, right? And <laughs> and I, I, I was thinking about this because I'm like, damn. Deshaun Watson is such a great guy off the field and on the field. On the field, he displays great leadership qualities and abilities and so forth. We know how good he is. But off the field, he seems like an even better guy. He seems, you know, he get, I see him give back to the community. He does a lot for the community. He's really a pillar for the Houston community, right? So he's built up so much great, so much positive equity. And it's like, you don't hear a peep. You don't hear a peep of negativity from Deshaun Watson in terms of off the field. You don't hear a peep. And now he has sexual assault crimes against him as he's wanted out of Houston. Like I said, we don't know all of the facts. We don't know what's real, what's not, right? <clears throat> But I do think it's important to touch on this topic. Uh, obviously, sexual assault crimes uh, <clears throat> and allegations. But all and also the impact, the direct impact that this may have on the quarterback carousel that we have been seeing this offseason. But okay, let's get back to Deshaun in this situation. Deshaun Watson has so much positive equity built up. And I know some of you guys are probably listening. Well, okay. I mean, there's been people, there's been, there's been people that have had positive equity that, have, you know, they have a positive outlook, but they still plead guilty with their sexual assault crimes. That's very much true, but that's not Deshaun Watson's fault. And what I mean by that is it's not Deshaun Watson's fault that he has positive equity built up. And then there's people that's like, you know what? He has positive equity built up. He seems like a good guy, but we've seen this story before. Okay, we have. But that's not Deshaun Watson. Like I said, that's not Deshaun Watson. He's he, he, it's like it's like you know what it, you know what it is? 
it's like it's like a baseball player hitting a hitting a bunch of home runs. It's like a baseball player hitting a bunch of home runs, and and he's doing it at a, a pretty good pace, right? He's doing it at a pretty good pace. And the first thing people are wondering is he taking steroids. And the first thing people are saying, oh yeah, he's taking steroids. It's no way. And we say that because there's been examples of where people, where players hit some astronomical home run numbers and they end up taking, you know, they end up, we end up finding out they're taking steroids, right? But we don't even know if that's the the example with this particular player. But we just have past examples where it just it just adds up perfectly. And Deshaun Watson, like I said, if if he is guilty, if he's found guilty by these allegations, so be it. Okay? So be it. But I just find it I I and I find it hard to believe that a guy we have never heard anything bad. I mean, com- coming out of coming out of Clemson, we haven't we didn't hear anything bad from coaches, scouts, good guy, good kid. They all say the same thing. And then since he's been in NFL, since he's been in NFL for the four, for the last 4 to 5 years, nothing but good things. Nothing but good things. Most of my about Sean Watson is, you know, him and his girlfriend and all that good stuff. Him and Jilly. <laughs> That's it, though. That's it. And he wants out of Houston. And the moment he wants out of Houston, these sexual assault allegations come out. I, I, I just think that I just think the timing's very strange. I just think the timing and the place is just very, very strange. Sorry, but it is. Also, the attorney. That is representing the three women that have filed their allegations in cases. The attorney, that same attorney, is friends with the Texans owner. He's friends with the owner of the Texans, Cal McNear. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I see. I don't know. We like, like I said, we don't know all the facts. We don't know all the dudes. We don't know all what's real and what what actually happened. We don't know. But I'm just laying out that I think it's a, a bit strange as far as the timing. The timing's a bit strange. The time's a bit odd. That's all. And then the attorney is friends with Cal McNair, who's the owner of the Texans. And Deshaun Watson's trying to get out of Houston. I don't know. I don't know. Seems strange. But lastly, I'm going to cap it off with this because I don't want to keep on rambling. But I'm going to cap it off with this. If Deshaun Watson's found guilty, okay, I was wrong. Well, I, 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 I will, you know, he if he's found guilty, okay. He would he would have to he's gonna have to deal with the repercussions that comes with that. Um, like I said, uh, another you know just to keep pointed out, it is a civil case, not a criminal case. So it's not criminal, but it's a civil case. And I'm sure you know whatever happens within the court the court and law, uh, the NFL will follow up right behind that, and they will you know provide some type of suspension or so forth, right? 
So that's what I'm going to leave it at. But as far as the direct impact in the quarterback market in free agency, I think it's huge. I think it's really huge. And Deshaun Watson is the biggest domino that I think a lot of teams, a lot of these teams that that are not really sure about their quarterback situation, Deshaun Watson is the biggest domino that they are waiting to fall that has not fallen yet. Now, there's been some reports out of Houston that, you know, at, you know, amid to these allegations coming out now, and the trade is a trade is imminent to happen really soon. So we'll see if that we'll see if that happens. But I'm looking at the quarterbacks. Let's look at the quarterbacks in, you know, in this market. Uh, as far as trade and free agency market. So we already know Russell Wilson is not going to get traded. Uh, Seattle won't do it because it, it would hurt it would hurt them financially uh, big time. It would put them in a, a big time deficit. And also, he's their best player in franchise history. You know, that just wouldn't look good, right? Chicago tried their best with an aggressive offer. The Seahawks didn't take it. So Russell's probably staying in Seattle for at least one more year. Uh, Jameis Winston is off the table. He's locked up under contract with the New Orleans Saints. But then I think about guys like Sam Darnold, who we don't know. We don't know what the Jets are going to do with Sam Darnold. We don't know if they're going to keep him. They don't. We don't know they're going to trade him. We don't. We don't know yet. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo. We don't know what the 49ers are going to do. Even though I do have a good idea of what the 49ers are going to do. We don't know. So Jimmy G, still a question mark. And it, even a guy like Marcus Mariota, he's a, he's receiving a lot of interest, a lot he's a lot of attraction from some teams. But right now at this moment, the Raiders are asking him to take a pay cut. And Marcus Mariota makes $10 million a year, but they're asking him, they're gonna they, they want to cut his salary in between six to seven million dollars per year. So he can decline that, and he would hit the free agency market. So that's the, that's three quarterbacks, three quarterbacks that could be possibly starters. But pending what happens with this with this Deshaun Watson stuff, the biggest domino that has yet to fall, we don't know. We don't know. And not to mention the teams that I did not bring up. And I'm talking about teams like the Denver Broncos, who I'm sure they're not really in love with their quarterback situation. I'm sure the Denver Broncos are not in love with their quarterback situation with Drew Locke. Also, Deshaun Watson, his top two destinations were Denver and the 49ers. I would hope, I would pray and hope that John Elway is on the phone trying every which way to sign or I mean to trade for Deshaun Watson. I would hope that I would hope that would be his objective. I would just hope. He's a top five quarterback. The Broncos can't draft quarterback. I talked about this on the previous episode. So there are some teams, even the Carolina Panthers. What do they do at quarterback? I know they have Teddy Bridgewater, but they're they're trying to they the, the Panthers seem very, very aggressive to acquire Deshaun Watson, but I don't know if Deshaun Watson wants to go there. 
So that's still an unknown with the Panthers. But with the 49ers, they signed, they re-signed Trent Williams to the largest deal in offensive line in NFL history for an offensive lineman. He got the largest deal ever for, for an offensive lineman in NFL history. So you can you can imagine that 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 cost a lot. <laughs> in another year, they're gonna have to pay Nick Bosa, which they're probably gonna do. George Kittle is making a pretty a decent amount of money. He's he's one of the highest. I think he's the second highest paid tight end in football. So Armstead's Eric Armstead's contract. His contract is going to take a big-time leap going in, you know, these next couple years. So, would it surprise me if the 49ers moved off of Jimmy Garoppolo and moved up in the draft to draft a quarterback? No, it would not surprise me. I actually think that's what they might do. Because looking at their roster, they're paying a lot of guys. They're paying a lot of guys, and they're paying a lot of guys big-time money, and they all deserve it. They all deserve it, but I'm just looking at it from, from a financial standpoint. Acquiring and rookie, acquiring a rookie quarterback to that roster with that coaching staff, with that coaching, it just makes sense. It makes sense if they go after a rookie quarterback because we all know that's how you that's their Super Bowl window. That's how you win the Super Bowl. Young quarterback on a cheap deal, and you you surround him with great talent. And that's what the 49ers have. So would it surprise me if the 49ers went that route? No. I actually think they're gonna probably go that route. So it's a list, a lot of unknowns in the quarterback market with certain teams. A lot of unknowns. A lot of uh, a lot of unknowns. And the biggest domino, which is Deshaun Watson, has yet to make a move. And another thing with Deshaun Watson and his destinations, he mentioned the Broncos. I talked about the Broncos. The Broncos should be on the phone at this very moment trying to get him. But the 49ers, even the 49ers were top of his list. They were, they were with the Broncos. But once again, I look at Deshaun Watson's contract and I look at the other contracts that the 49ers have. First, Let's not even worry about the financial part. Who would the 49ers trade to get Deshaun Watson? Secondly, then that then now we have the financial part. Deshaun Watson's contract with all of those other contracts with the 49ers, it's going to be very difficult to manipulate the cap. It's going to be very difficult to manipulate the cap with those contracts on the books. Just something to think about, but I really do think this – Deshaun Watson domino, it's gonna have a it, it has a huge impact and it has a lot of implications riding going to it as far as what are other teams gonna do with quarterback. Even the Patriots. I look at the Patriots, even the Patriots. I mean, Cam Newton, he could be their starter week one. It wouldn't surprise me if he's their starter week one, but with the with the contract that the Patriots signed him to. Basically, and let me break it down really quickly. Basically, the contract they signed him to is, you know, the first, he can make up to $14 million. It's a contract built in with it, with 
incentives. And he can make up to $14 million if he plays like a good share of the snaps. He's a starter for most of the season and so forth. So basically, if he if he's a starter, he's going to make $14 million that year. Now, if he's not a starter and he's a second string guy and he's a backup and he takes and he doesn't take that many snaps this year, as you know, then he will make uh he will make a league low five million dollars. That will be the lowest salary cap hit out of any 32 teams. New England's very smart. They signed him to a team, a very team friendly friendly deal, and they can roll with either him starting or him being a backup. Cam Newton being him. But I think the Patriots have made it abundantly clear. Or I think the Patriots, I don't, I don't want to say abundantly clear, but they've they've thrown indications out there that, hey, depending on what's, what's out there on the market, we may go get another quarterback. But I don't want to hold you guys any much longer. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. That's a kid podcast. Uh, Saturday episode. Didn't want to hold you guys long. And I always say that. I don't want to hold you guys long. But then I'll end up being talking, just talking, talking, talking. But I'll let you guys go. Always remember two choices, one decision. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Be happy. Um, I'll be back on Wednesday. Um, hopefully we have some more NFL news around the around the league. Uh, the Chicago Bears, March Madness, all, all, you know, also. The Chicago Bears, I, I – the Bears, I feel bad for Bears fans. I feel bad, but I should have talked about that a little bit, but I'll talk about that next week. See you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the IKP. Greatly appreciate it. Peace. Deuce is gone. Mm.